Hello and welcome back to The Daily Royal, a podcast covering the daily events of all the European royal families. Today, we'll be talking about all the recent updates from March 19th, 2020. Starting out with the British royal family, we had Queen Elizabeth today who arrived in Windsor um, and then promptly released a statement making her the last monarch that I cover and I think actually anywhere um, to address their nation um, in which she encouraged her people by saying, in times like these, I am reminded that our nation's history has been forged by people and communities coming together to work as one. Uh, she also, of course, as everyone else has, thanked healthcare workers, public service workers, emergency workers, um, and anyone else who is working through this really stressful time to make sure that their communities are staying safe. Um, so it was a really nice brief statement from Queen Elizabeth, and then um, Prince Philip also arrived from Sandringham to Windsor today, where they will spend uh, the next little bit of time, uh, foreseeable future, um, kind of camped out and doing what needs to be done there. Um, it did come, I think, either late last night or today that the state visit from Japan is being postponed. Um, so that is what is going on in the British royal family. And then we had nothing new from the Belgian, Danish, or Dutch royal families. So now we'll move on to Norway. <laughs> Norway. Uh, today, the Norwegian royal house released a picture of King Harald and Queen Sonja, who are um, self-isolating at their house, the Royal Lodge, um, but they were able to go out on a walk today on the grounds, um, and so the picture is of the two of them, and they, um, of course, thanked the Norwegian people for doing all that they can so that everyone can get through um, this terrible situation together, and then they thanked them for their well wishes, um, and everything. Uh, and I'm just, you know, it's nice to get some fresh air during this self-isolation time. I think that helps a lot. I know I, um, try and take my dog out on some good walks. Um, hasn't been that great because it's been raining where I am, but we'll try. Um, and then that is actually it for the Daily Royal Rundown. There was nothing in Spain or Sweden today. Um, so now we are going to move on to our history lesson, which is the second part of the history of the Belgian royal family. So we're going to get up to modern times today. So picking up where we left off with Leopold II who was the second son of King Leopold I and Queen Louise. Um, he became king in 1865, and during his reign, he wanted to, quote, create a strong, prosperous country, um, which to him apparently meant colonization, um, because that's how we make money, by making other people owe us um, and do things for us 
So that's a great start. Um, so he was responsible. This is like his one good quality. He was responsible for creating the Royal Trust, um, which was a donation to the Belgian people of buildings and lands um, that Leopold had amassed and built, um, but is also to be able to be used by the royal family. Um, so some of the households in this trust are used by members of the current king's family. Um, so that's, that's like a good-ish thing, depending on how you look at it. Um, and then, uh, here comes one of the worst things that a monarch has probably ever done. So, Leopold II was the founder and sole ruler of the Congo Free State. Um, this was not under Belgian control, this was under Leopold's control. Um, and this was for him specifically. So, we'll just start there. Um, which, so he procured the Congo Free State because he was able um, to convince people that he was going to help help the area through humanitarian and philanthropic work. So he lied. Um, and the Free State and its people instead were um, used to collect rubber, ivory, and other minerals to sell to make Leopold, again, Leopold only, not Belgium, richer. Um, so, basically the conditions for these natives to Congo is unthinkable. The torture that they faced is it, just awful. Uh, failure to meet their quotas was punishable by death or having their hands cut off. Um, and there's, there's not an actual death toll number. Um, but it's around about 10 million, 10 million people because of one man's selfishness lost their lives. So that's just really terrible. Um, so this is considered one of the worst genocides in the world. Um, and I have decided that Leopold is a terrible human being, Leopold II. Um, so basically everyone else came to the same conclusion that he was a slime ball um, and made him give up the free state of Congo to Belgium. So now it's in Belgium's control and governed by Belgium. Um, and that happened in 1908. And then in 1909, exactly 44 years after he began his reign, um, he died. He had no um, male heirs and... Um, so instead, he was succeeded by his nephew, who was King Albert I. Um, so he ascended the throne when his uncle, King Leopold II, died. Um, and he was also, this is like a good redeeming thing. Um, he was the first Belgian king to take the oath in Flemish, which is the um, Belgian version of Dutch. Um, and so this is like the beginning of his popularity. He was also, um, he was just generally popular. Um, he led a pretty modest life. Um, basically the life of someone who doesn't expect that they're ever going to be king and yet become king. Um, so then the first world war happened. Um, Germany invaded Belgium to attack France. Um, and then because of the Treaty of 1839 that we learned about in yesterday's episode, um, 
Britain had to get involved um, to protect Belgium. And so there we go. World War One. Here we go. It's kicking off. Um, so King Albert took command of the Belgian army where he proved extraordinary leadership. Um, he was involved in battles. He was really just making sure that Belgium did not lose control to Germany or anyone else. Um, so that is great. Um, after the war, he was able to bring about universal male suffrage in which Every man got a vote instead of, you know, rich, educated, old men getting uh, several votes while poor men only got one. Um, so he made things a little more even, which is fantastic. Um, and then his kingship was all about uh, rebuilding Belgium after the war. Um, he, fun fact, was another king who got rid of the sex coburg gotha uh, family name because he was, um, King Leopold I was of the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha family. Um, so King Albert changed the name to House of Belgium or De Belgique. Um, I think is the French version. Maybe not. I don't know. It's either the French or Dutch version. Um, so earlier on, Albert married Elizabeth, who became Queen Elizabeth, um, who has a famed music competition that we have talked about a few times on this podcast. Um, and she was a barbarian duchess, and they had uh, three children, Leopold, Charles, and Marie. And so Leopold became the next king after his father's death in 1934. Um, so this is King Leopold III, who at 12 years old, 12, was allowed to enlist in the Belgian army and fight in World in the First World War. What? Um, but then a year later, he had to become educated, and so he started attending Eton College in England. Um, in 1926, he married Princess Astrid of Sweden, um, and they had three children. Um, and sadly, in 1935, there was a terrible car accident, and Queen Astrid uh, did not survive the accident. Um, so then came the Second World Second World War, um, and this is where things get uh, pretty terrible for Leopold, um, because of Leopold, actually. So in May of 1940, the Germans invaded Belgium. Belgium and its army was overwhelmed. Um, and during talks to kind of maybe solve the problem, uh, the king instead surrendered to the Germans. And his government fled to Paris while King Leopold III uh, tried to stick around to um, fight off a little bit. Um, but then he completely surrendered, uh, which led to a constitutional crisis. Um, because it was not the place for the king to surrender, and the prime minister at the time made sure the king knew that. Yikes. Um, so this decision was pretty unpopular everywhere, including um, in London, uh, where Winston Churchill had some scathing words for King Leopold III. Um, so that's great. Um, so maybe the only place this wasn't unpopular was in Nazi Germany. Um, but then... Leopold III made his made matters even worse and met with Hitler. Um, although the uh, although Hitler never released that um, 
they were in negotiations. Um, the king didn't look like he was cooperating, but was. Um, and then in some even more unpopular, you guys, he just did not do a great job of reading the room. Um, so while he was a prisoner of the Germans, um, King Leopold married again. And this was seen as very, very unpopular um, and did have three more children. And so finally the war was over. Leopold and whoever was with him were, they were liberated. um, And this is when he tried to return to Belgium. This didn't work for about five years because he made some really crappy decisions. Um, And so he was spent those five years in Switzerland with his five children, six children, I lost count. Um, But he was finally able to return when a referendum was held um, and the Belgian people, uh, 52% of the Belgian people said that he could return. uh, And so he did. Um, And then things just didn't work out for him. The people were pretty unhappy. There were strikes there. It just wasn't good. Um, So Leopold decided enough was enough. Uh, maybe the only good choice that he ever made. And he abdicated in favor of his 20-year-old son. King Baudin was 21 when he became king of the Belgians. Um, And he ascended to the throne after his father was basically forced into an abdication. Uh, During the first part of his reign, there were serious national tensions. Um, The education systems were arguing about private versus state education. Congo was trying to gain their independence, which they were granted peacefully. Yay! Um, And then there was a challenging socioeconomic situation happening, uh, with coal mines closing and high numbers of unemployment. Um, So that is all just rough. Um, and then in 1960, uh, King Baudin married Fabiola de Mora y Aragon, uh, who is from Spain. And uh, the pair had no children. Um, but overall, uh, Baudin's rule was pretty boring, which is just what the Belgian people needed after all the drama from his father's reign. Um, in 1993, King Baudin passed away of a uh, sudden heart attack while in Spain. Um, And because he had no children, the throne went to his brother, Albert. Um, So King Albert II was the second son of Leopold III um, and Astrid of Sweden. And he took the throne, like I just mentioned, in 1993. Um, Before becoming king, he did marry Paola Rofo de Calibria, an Italian aristocrat with whom he had three children, uh, Philippe, Astrid, and Laurent. Um, so his reign really had nothing dramatic in it, which is good, um, until the end when he decided to make political comments on populist, populist political uh, people being similar to the governments of the 1930s, meaning Hitler, Mussolini, etc., um, this was not looked um, on with fondness by the Belgian government because, well, kings shouldn't be making political statements such as this. Um, and then in early July of 2013, King Albert made his intention to abdicate in favor of his son, um, Philippe, uh, public knowledge. Um, and this abdication occurred on Belgium's National Day, July 21st, 2013. And that brings us to King Philippe who is the current king of the Belgians. 
Um, he is married to Queen Matilde, and they have four children. Um, and although Philippe's reign is pretty young, um, almost seven years, um, what I have seen is that Philippe rules um, in a modern way and a, with a strong sense of responsibility towards the people of Belgium. Um, and that is it. That is the end of today's podcast. And that is it for today's episode. Uh, we made it through our first week of coronavirus and the Royals canceling all their events. Um, so that is great. I will be back on Monday with any events or responses or statements that happened over the weekend, um, as well as the start of the um, Danish royal family and how they came to be. I will talk to you guys then. Bye.